This is Reese Davis, and you're listening to the Galloway Podcast. Welcome into the Galloway Podcast, episode 73. Galloway Podcast is presented by WD Marketing Group. I'm your host, William Galloway. Today is Thursday, May 25th, 2021. And boy, has it been a while. Just over a month since episode 72. I've graduated college. I've moved on to a new chapter in life. And I'm excited to be joined by Gray Robertson here shortly on the Galloway Podcast. But before we talk to Gray, I want to remind everybody the Galloway Podcast being brought to you by WD Marketing Group means that you need to support WD Marketing Group. It's a Tuscaloosa, Alabama-based marketing firm focused on helping small and local businesses with all their digital, social media, and traditional marketing needs. WDMG has helped clients in a wide variety of industries surpass sales and growth goals while maintaining true brand identity for the client. Your business is too valuable not to market. I've marketed my podcast with WDMG and you should too. You can find WDMG on the web at www.wdmarketinggroup.com. And I would normally go in to a segment of what's new in the world of sports, but now in the post-grad life, I'm just going to bring in the guest because that's what I want to do. And so we're shaking (laughs) up the format of the podcast and I'm excited to talk to Gray Robertson once again on the Galloway podcast. Gray, welcome in. How are you? Good to see you. It's good to see you, my friend. Shout out to you, Willie G. And also, shout out to WD Marketing Group because they are the reason why we, the Out of the Box Podcast, have farcical stickers to give out to all of you Alabama softball fans that come by the window and ask. So shout out to that crew for uh, setting us up there. Hunter Letson, a great guy. Check him out. Once again, www.wdmarketinggroup.com. I think that reaches my quota for how many times <laughs> I'm supposed to say it in the episode. I wasn't even uh, asked to do it. I just did it. So I'm helping hey, you out here. <laughs> that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Take note, Hunter. I know you're going to listen. So take note. Uh, so Gray, before we get to sports, I filled up on gas today. And guess how much money I spent? Uh, more than you wanted to? More than I wanted to. Because I don't drive a Tesla and I can't drive around (laughs) on electricity. You don't plug in your car when you get home? (laughs) Unfortunately, I don't have that type of outlet. (laughs) $60 at the Crestline Shell. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I I was able to fill up half a tank with 40 bucks last week driving back from Tuscaloosa. It was like two, it was like two thirds. It was like two thirds. Okay. That's still, I mean, yeah, it's just ridiculous. But yeah, it's not, it's not the greatest thing in the world when you commute to Tuscaloosa like three times a weekend from Birmingham. Yeah. It's not, not a super great time to be consistently <laughs> times, buying gas. <laughs> three times a weekend, AKA Friday, Saturday, Sunday, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. It is what it is. Yeah, it's the life I chose. When you're, when you're the voice of Alabama softball along with Tom Canterbury, it's a pretty good gig. So it's a, I'd say it's worth the gas mileage. And you've seen some pretty incredible softball. Let's go ahead and jump into that now. Uh, it's been a fantastic season. I think 47 and 8 is the current record headed into 48 and 7. 48 and 7. Okay. Yes. I got my last two numbers there mixed up. Uh, Gray, you've seen. You've every single bit of every single game this year, 
just walk me through the progress of a COVID season to now what's relatively a normal season and Super Regionals this weekend versus Kentucky. Whew. I mean, where do we where do we begin? I guess we'll start in February when Tom and I were getting in the car, excited for opening weekend, driving to Austin, Texas. We pulled off in Clinton, Mississippi to get some lunch at Nukes. And right after I ordered, I turned around and Tom said, tournament's canceled. And that just kind of started what has been an incredible journey. Alabama did not go to Austin because of the generational snowstorm <laughs> that weekend in the state of Texas. So we played Alabama State. We played Notre Dame. We played Louisville a couple times in Tuscaloosa. And just since then, it's been a wild ride. And this team has experienced as much adversity as any school in the country. I mean, you have had poorly timed injuries. You know, all injuries are bad, but just when they happened, it was really, really tough. KB Sides went down for a long time right after Alabama run-ruled LSU, and then Bailey Dowling gets hurt right after you sweep Auburn and as you're trying to tie the series against Tennessee. And then Claire Jenkins went down as you're playing Florida right after you beat Arkansas twice to get back into the SEC race. And then there was the COVID issue against Ole Miss a couple weeks ago. But this team has fought through it all, and they have found a way to gel in a way that I haven't seen in my five years doing radio. And they're playing their best softball right now. And that is a good formula in a year where the postseason has already been wild and could get wilder going forward. Yeah, being able to win the SEC, I mean, that game versus Florida was just – I remember Patrick Murphy saying, you know, once you get up 4-0, it's like um, – it's not run-ruled, but it's essentially run-ruled in postseason play. Walk me through the SEC tournament, wins over Kentucky, Tennessee, and Florida. Alabama now about to face Kentucky this weekend. But that was just a wild three days in a row and really exciting softball for Patrick Murphy's squad. Oh, my gosh. I mean, it starts with Montana Fouts. She was – it was like a throwback weekend, you know, back in the old days, I say old days, you know, 15 years ago, 10 years ago, you would see pitchers carry the load in the conference tournaments and in the NCAA tournament. That has kind of gone by the wayside as teams have formed staffs the last few years, but Montana Fouts wanted the ball and she got the ball and she took advantage. You know, she shut down a Kentucky team that had touched her up okay, you know, a decent amount of runs earlier this year in Lexington against her, and then, you know, did well against Tennessee, a Tennessee team that was playing with their hair on fire and trying to support a pitcher in Ashley Rogers who had thrown her guts uh, out the first two nights of the tournament, and then to do what she did against Florida. I mean, day three of the tournament, it was her best game. She was as efficient as she had been all weekend. She didn't give the Gators anything at all. Um, Florida didn't have a hit after the second inning. It was just a really impressive showing. And the offense stepped up when they had to as well. Home runs from Taylor Clark on the weekend. Bailey Hemphill just proved why she was SEC Player of the Year. The slappers were successful. Kaylee Tao had a good weekend. I mean, it was just up and down, a really impressive weekend. You know, it's not a given that the host team wins the SEC tournament. It had only happened once before this year. That was 2012 when Alabama hosted and won the SEC tournament. So it's tougher than you think, and Alabama made it look really easy a couple weeks ago in that SEC tournament, and it was, it was super fun. It was so much fun to call. It was fun to be sitting outside amongst the fans. We had increased the capacity a little bit. It was rocking all weekend long. It was just an awesome event. Yeah, one thing about an Alabama softball games this year is every time Fouts is in the circle, if she doesn't get double-digit Ks, it's like something's wrong. And it's like every time Bailey Hemphill steps in the batter's box, if the ball doesn't go 250 feet over 
you know, clearing the fence and into the parking lot, it's like something's wrong. I mean, they have those two have just become synonymous with double digit strikeouts and home runs. Of course, as you mentioned, Hemp Hill setting the record. Uh, Want to ask you, Gray, put you on the spot here. When is the last time Montana started a game and didn't have double digit strikeouts? Wow, I'm a, I'm I don't know. I find I'm, it, I'm asking no, you out of curiosity. I do know because I just asked this question in our softball staff group chat. Not even kidding. Five minutes ago, right before I got okay, on with you. Well, perfect. It was the Georgia series, and I remember because. Uh, the pitching coach, Stephanie Van Brinkle Prothrow, if Montana had gotten that double-digit K, it would have tied Steph's record that she had set back in her playing days. But she got nine, so we were joking with Steph. Oh, did you, you know, call that walk or call that ground out so that she wouldn't tie your record? Um, but, yeah, you know, that was against Georgia. And Georgia, probably the worst team out of the SEC that Alabama has played in the last four weekends – so uh, just to see what she has done against the likes of Tennessee and Florida and Kentucky and Ole Miss, and then out of conference against Clemson, you know, just, it, it's been impressive. And I'm running out of words, honestly. I mean, we said at the end of the broadcast on Sunday, you know, there aren't enough words in the dictionary to describe what Montana Fouts has been doing here at the end of this year. Yeah. I had a, I had a class with Montana, I think last fall. And uh, it's interesting. You get the, athlete stories I mean one thing that fascinates me is hearing people's stories of former football players especially but um, one thing that stood out to me was Montana sat front row she was early every time I wasn't necessary necessarily always on time uh, we had a couple classes what? together Stop. and uh, <laughs> I mean you and I would go out to eat and you know just stroll into class whenever we could get there so <laughs> we majored in talking we could do that <laughs> <laughs> we were literally in class while we were eating it yes. was perfect Exactly. Um, but she was, you know, front row in class early. And that just is kind of a um, example of how Patrick Murphy runs his programs, the type of players he develops and things like that. One thing I noticed too, in the semifinal round of the SEC softball tournament, played Tennessee, Alabama men's basketball also played Tennessee, if I remember correctly, this year in the semifinals, Mississippi State, Tennessee, LSU. I don't know. I was in Auburn watching softball. <laughs> I, well, and that's I, why I'm I talking was, to you about softball. Yeah, that was – gosh, I don't know. I mean, this year, you know, we were joking at the end of the broadcast on Sunday when we referenced that trip to Clinton, Mississippi, on the way to Austin. Like, you could tell me that was five years ago, and I believe you. This year has yeah. simultaneously flown by and taken forever. And, you know, sometimes things blur together. I mean, gosh, I, I – that was a long time ago, Bill. I, I don't know. <laughs> Ages, as in months. You know, I used the, the term uh, with Hunter Johnson the other day. We were in Tuscaloosa yeah. for the Friday night baseball game against Mississippi State, which was the second game of the series. They moved everything up. And I said, I said, when I was in college, and he said, stop, Bill. You mean like three <laughs> weeks ago when you were in college? And I said, oh, come on. I just wanted to use that. Like, give it to me once. Like, let me – let, let me have that phrase once. I mean, I'll give it to you. I don't know. I feel like we have all aged, everyone, we have all aged so much in the last two years, year and a half, just because of all the stuff that was going okay, on. It's kind of like Avengers Endgame. I mean, it's so ironic that that movie <laughs> came out, you know, you snap your, Thanos snaps his fingers and it's like, wait a second, it's 2021. It's like almost June. What happened to the last year? And you know what happened in the last year, you've been locked up at home, but it is kind of funny how that's worked. Absolutely. It's, it's been crazy. 
It's, but that's what's made the season so fun because we have slowly gotten back to normal. And, you know, it's to the point where, you know, we're, Tom and I, we were cleared at the SEC tournament to kind of mingle a little bit for the first time in a long time. And we could do that last week in the NCAA tournament once we got past some of the protocols that were in place by the NCAA for that event. And it was just kind of nice to, you know, have a somewhat regular weekend after we have been, as we call bubble adjacent all year long and had to, you know, kind of work to really get to talk to the team. Uh, you know, it was a little bit easier this week and that felt good. Yeah. So after last weekend, three straight shutouts, I mean, talk about that regional performance because that's, I think you hardly ever see teams have three straight shutouts in the regional part of the tournament. I mean, obviously Alabama was hosting, got that home field advantage, undoubtedly the best team, you know, obviously being a top four team in the country, but do you, is that common in softball? I mean, well, I was thinking about it, and it, it depends a lot of the time on matchups, you know, because Florida did it uh, this weekend, too. Florida's done it in the past with, you know, their great pitching staff back when they had the three-headed monster, Barnhill and, and Gorley and Acasio. But this was the first time Alabama's ever done it in regional history. And to shut out all three opponents, two of those games against the ACC champion, and I know some people will say the ACC is, you know, a weak conference, but, you know, in light, or, and I guess comparatively to the SEC or the Pac-12, that's true. But when you look at the ACC in years past, it has been Florida State and a bunch of mediocre to bad teams. And then a couple of years ago, it was Florida State and Virginia Tech and a bunch of mediocre to bad teams. This year, you had Florida State, Virginia Tech, Duke, Clemson, Notre Dame, who almost got through that Lexington Regional to go to Supers. I mean, the ACC had better good teams and more than ever before. So for Alabama to do what they did against Clemson and make them look, you know, not good, that's all a testament to what the Crimson Tide pitching staff was able to do this weekend. It's not super common, but you know, this pitching staff isn't super common either. They have done some magical things here this season. Yeah. And they've played well versus Kentucky. Alabama struggled, you know, in Lexington this year. Let's talk about super regionals here before we start shooting the bull. And uh, <laughs> let's go through just Kentucky because Alabama's played them four, five times already this season. Yeah. Four times. We're, we're joking. It is now a seven game series. Yes, let's just not blow any 3-1 leads. Ooh, well, we can't. It's tied at two, so that helps. Okay, well, <laughs> that'll work. <laughs> but, you know, this this Kentucky team is weird. I mean, Tom and I have joked on Out of the Box, our podcast, that Kentucky is the leader of the section of the league that is known as the Enigmas, where you don't really know what they are. Kentucky will beat Alabama in Lexington, a top five Alabama team, and then not win another SEC series for many weeks in a row. I mean, we're talking home losses to a Georgia team that's very okay, a road series loss at Auburn. To put it a team nicely, that, they're very okay. Very okay. You know, you lose two at Auburn, a team that had been pretty bad all year long, especially offensively. So Kentucky, it's hard to make sense of them, but they just seem – to rise to the occasion against the Crimson Tide. And it kind of starts with two names, Autumn Humes and Kayla Kowalik. Kayla Kowalik, 
you know, we thought for a long time she was going to be SEC player of the year until Bailey Hemphill passed her in some of the key stat categories the last weekend of SEC play. And then Autumn Humes, I mean, until the SEC tournament, her ERA was under one against Alabama combined in the 19 and 21 seasons. So it had been tough for Alabama to adjust to her just for some reason. I mean, some pitchers just have it against certain lineups, but Alabama got to her a bit in the SEC tournament. And I think if Kentucky wants any chance in this super regional, it starts with them. Their stars have to shine and Kowalik has got to have a really good weekend and Autumn Humes has got to be shut down. If Kentucky wants to win, she's got to look like she did in 2019 when Kentucky came into Tuscaloosa and won two out of three. And the biggest thing for Alabama, whether it's defensively, offensively, you would say is Whew. Uh, well, I mean, let's start with – I'll start with a couple things. One, Montana's got to keep being Montana. I mean, she is – like, it's almost a joke how good she is right now. Like, you know, I was saying that there are no words to describe her success, but seriously, there are no words to describe her success. You know, Alabama's on a 16-game winning streak. Her ERA in that time is 1.15. That's insane. That's good if you ask me. Yeah, 14 of those games are against ranked teams, William. I mean, that's I'm, – that's, I'm, I'm being facetious. No, I know. It's I'm just good. like, it's, it's insane. Like, there, like, what words? Can you find any? I can't. And then, good. you know, offensively, yes, very nicely done. That's, that's why you got the podcast, right, to drop knowledge. Journal, like journalism major at Alabama. What word can you to describe that? Uh, good. We majored in talking for a reason. Um, but then, you know, I think Alabama, the key for them is, you know, just getting success from one through nine. Once again, you know, Taylor Clark, Savannah Woodard, they have stepped up in this postseason. Bailey Hemphill has been really successful as well. And Alyssa Brown and Alexis Mack have set the table, you know, as good as any 9-1 hitters in the country, as good as any slappers in the country. So I, I think, again, just getting success from everybody and having this team play together. If Alabama does that, they've got this this weekend. Yeah, very excited to see that. First game is – this weekend, Friday at noon on ESPN2. You can also listen to Gray and Tom on Praise 93.3 FM radio. Game two will be Saturday at 1 p.m. Also on – this one will be on ESPN, but, of course, as always, will be on Praise. I can't think of Praise without thinking of the little gif of the baby in church putting his hands up. Shout Every out to Hunter time. Johnson. Another Hunter Johnson shout out here in this yeah. podcast. <laughs> uh, please eat – a pickle that he likes to sponsor on his own podcast. We're just giving shout outs left and right. Who else it's should a, we sponsor? It's a nonprofit podcast. I mean, I'm drinking water out of a mama Goldberg's cup. I went there on Sunday. It was really good. Oh, I've got Dasani Dasani, the water that, you know, you buy at the gas station sometimes. I have uh, I said this before we started recording, but I do have your out-of-the-box koozie. So if you're an Alabama softball fan and you somehow haven't heard – if you're a new Alabama softball fan <laughs> and you haven't heard of the out-of-the-box podcast, check that out. All right, enough of the non-ad ad reads. Let's talk some golf, Gray. This mm. weekend was absolutely insane. Phil Mickelson at his age. I mean, the thing that summed it up most, I'd say in the best way to me, was – Justin Thomas talking about how the golf ball doesn't know how old you are. It doesn't know how athletic you are. It doesn't know what you look like. Uh, if you can play the ball the right way, you can win. It does not matter how old you are. It could be a major. It could be a pro-am. It really doesn't matter. And Phil showed that to the fullest extent this weekend. 
Oh my gosh, what a story. You know, I have told you and I have said publicly a couple places that my father and I are in what they call the SEC Golf League. You know, it's just a fun little fantasy golf thing that some of the people in the conference do. And I was thinking back to picks in past tournaments and I'm not sure anyone has taken Phil Mickelson in a tournament in like three years. I mean, I'm serious. Like he had really fallen by the wayside as kind of an afterthought. But he and again, I had the same chance to win those tournaments. Yeah, I mean, but you're right. You know, these sports, these, you know, the golf ball, the softball, the football, they don't, they don't know you. They don't care. And it doesn't really matter what kind of person you are, what kind of shape you're in. You know, if you do things right, you're going to be successful. And I was really happy that Phil got this moment. I kind of wish it was in the U.S. Open, but, you know, we'll take it at the PGA Championship too. And now, I mean, look out. We, could we see a 50-year-old win two majors in one year? That, you know, probably not, but my goodness. <laughs> I mean, that would be electric. Could you imagine? Because the buzz there in the first place this weekend was incredible. You see the crowds coming in. You know, Phil walking through, was it 17 or 18 where he's walking to the green and he just has to split the sea of fans. And that's kind of in that moment we all knew sports are back. Let's go. This is what we've been waiting on. Just having that – you feel the energy from sitting there on your couch. I was horizontal on the couch. I mean, you know, under the blanket, the full, the full nine yards. And I could feel the buzz in the air. I mean, you just, you just knew like, this is it. It was really interesting to track. I, I'm going to be honest with you, Willie G. I, this is probably the major I have watched the least of ever in my life, just because with regionals going on, it, it was good to be able to watch so much softball and um, to do my job. Well, I was trying to watch as much yes. of that as possible, but it was impossible to ignore so much so that we, you know, we had people on Saturday come up to us and say we can't come to the game tomorrow but we listen to y'all when you do the scoreboard updates can you bring up the PGA championship and let us know because we're going to be listening to you and watching the game and we want to know how Phil is doing and what that yeah. looks like I mean it really was a story that just caught people's attention and it's really awesome when golf gets chances like that it did take me back a bit to that Masters when Tiger won when you know no matter what you were doing you stopped and you paid attention. And I, I just thought it was really cool that Phil got that moment again in his career. Yeah. Nate Oates had a moment when he hit a hole in one after being publicly embarrassed on Twitter a couple of weeks ago. I mean, I'm looking back, it's been a month since I've done a podcast, but how about that moment where on Wednesday at the regions pro-am he's filmed on the driving range and he looks just like you or me. And it's just not very good. It's not very impressive. And you're like, wow, this guy's a good basketball coach. We'll go with that. And then he goes and just lights one up. Par three on Friday in Tuscaloosa. I think it was North River and then hits a hole in one. Yeah, and like confirmed. I mean, I saw Jeff Purinton, I think, the next night. And somebody asked, you know, like, hey, like you were there, right? And he said, oh, yeah, you know, some people think it was staged, but it like actually happened. So uh, just, I mean – you know, like I said, like we talked about, golf doesn't care. Doesn't care how good you are. You know, I'm not terrible, but I've never been close to a hole in one. And Nate Oates, you know, not the prettiest swing in the world, and he's out here piping it off of you know par three tee boxes right in the cup. You know, golf doesn't care. And I but think if that, the if the golf ball did see him, it would be scared. 
Well, of course. I, I mean, say, it would have gone in on command. Yeah. It wouldn't have been soft. You know, it would have played hard. It would have had some blue collar points for going in the hole. I mean, all these things. See, here's what happened. It hit the top of the flag stick and then took that as a charge and dropped down, and that's how it went. <laughs> so that's, that's minus – instead of adding four points, that's like minus four strokes, I guess. Right, yes. That's how – you can count it like that. All right, Nate Grant, well, golf. Here's how we're doing it. <laughs> <laughs> Once, if you get on the green, you can count it as a two-putt, and you're good to go. Right. <laughs> that's um, how we're playing next time we play, if we ever – have we ever played? We no, need to. we need to play this summer. Done. Let's do it. I don't work on Fridays this summer. Let's do it. All right, done. We're playing Nate Oates Golf, where if you hit the fairway, it's minus. <laughs> we'll do another podcast. And a half. We'll do it live on Instagram on the golf course. <laughs> Nate Oates Golf. All right. Well, what else? Uh, what else should we discuss? I don't really have a plan. I just wanted to do a podcast with you. We've got softball. We've got golf. I'm sitting here watching baseball because I don't watch the NBA, and. Uh, Oh, Bama picked up a big win uh, in, I think it was the first SEC baseball win for the Crimson Tide since 2016. And nobody on the current Alabama roster had played in the SEC tournament in Hoover. So big day. Uh, we're recording this on Tuesday. So huge day for Brad Bohannon's squad. Yeah, I was really happy for them. And I mean, must win, right? We've you know, as good as Alabama softball has been, Alabama baseball has been hugging that bubble like the basketball days of yore all year long. And I've seen projections that have them, you know, slightly in and way out and slightly out. And it's been kind of all over the place. And so the best way to answer those questions is to win. And it was definitely helpful to beat a team like South Carolina, too, that is a quality win for this Alabama team going into that NCAA tournament. And now they've got a chance to stick around Hoover for a little bit longer and get more quality wins because the beauty of the SEC is half the teams are in the top ten, it feels like. So everybody can provide that resume boost that could potentially get you into the NCAA tournament. Yeah. And their their double elimination now getting past this Tuesday slate, they've got double elimination and so, you know, at least two more games, and I'm sure they've got – I know they've got Dylan Smith going on Wednesday facing Tennessee. Um, Another Alabama-Tennessee postseason matchup. Yes, tack it onto the list. It grow, <laughs> It spreads, as John Rothstein says. So that's exciting. Yes, I'm looking at the bracket now. It's uh, – yeah, mm, it's always fun. Always interesting. Double elimination, though. I I do sometimes feel for the folks in the conference office because Lord knows none of those games will end on time. And some Never. nights can get really long at the SEC baseball tournament. And the week just drags. But, I mean, it's so fun having people there. There were conversations of moving the SEC tournament, and I think that should just never happen. I mean, Hoover's such a great place for it. You get people in and out. And I'm sure, you know, you could go down to the beach. There's probably somewhere in Florida where you could play a great, you know, venue. I saw a tweet the other day comparing the ACC in Charlotte to the SEC in Hoover. And it said, look at this backdrop. And it's like, what does it matter what you're hitting home runs into? I mean, the Met is a great facility, a great park. The SEC's done it there for years. The fans love it. You know, you get to come to Birmingham. I mean, the only place that I would move it to would be Regions Park downtown where the Barons play just because I think that stadium is awesome. But at the same time, 
if you moved it there, you would lose a lot of what makes the SEC tournament so special now, which is the ability to tailgate and hang out and kind of, you know, for lack of a better word, party before going in. I mean, there's all of that space. You know, you and I have grown up going out to the Met. Uh, we have seen the giant parking lots. I mean, you could build multiple mega churches where those cars park around the Hoover Met. And you don't have that chance downtown at Regents Park or at many places around the country in the SEC footprint where they could play this tournament. So, I mean, you know, I think the Hoover Met's a cool place for it. And I certainly hope that if the conference office ever wants to move it, they think really hard about picking the right spot because something else special about it, it's centralized. So it's pretty easy other than the unfortunate souls at Texas A&M and Missouri who, and Arkansas to a lesser extent who come in, um, you know, it's pretty centralized for all the schools over here. Yeah. Okay. That, that brings up a good point of centralization. Gray, you've, you've been all over the SEC. I got to go with Fluffopotamus on a lot of SEC road trips. Let's spend this last little segment for a couple minutes here talking college towns mm. in the SEC. Is there one that you haven't been to yet? I'm sure you've been to every one. I'm thinking. Let me run through the Rolodex. There's plenty I haven't been to. I know that. But, I mean, there are ones that stand out. Columbia, South Carolina. No, I've been to every one. For, yeah. for good and bad reasons. I've been to every one for different sports. But, yeah, I've been to every single one. Um, All right. Oh. I'm not going to ask you to rank them because that's there's just too many. But let's give your top two and your bottom two. Ooh. All right. Call it, now, college towns. So, we are not talking restaurants specifically because that's a different list for me. Yeah. So, Gray, you, I'm giving you two places to go, and you can choose your first two. And I'm also giving you two other places to go and saying you have to go to these places, your least two favorite places. All right. Well, number one is Athens. I mean, I've never had a bad time in Athens. Food is incredible. The entertainment is incredible. Downtown is incredible. I mean, you know, you go, you have fun. And yes, I know there's the whole Alabama, Georgia thing and the people barking and whatever. Well, let me tell you, we've gone for a couple softball weekends and people aren't barking in your face in, and it's a pretty awesome time. Like we have a blast and when you're run ruling them. It's pretty great. That does help. But also the best part of Athens is a secret that I'm going to reveal here on the Galloway podcast. All right, let's hear it. Exclusive content. It's not exclusive to Georgia people, but they're going to be really mad at me that I'm revealing this. If you go to Athens, go to the last resort and get the white chocolate cheesecake. Just do it. All right. And you're going to thank me later because it is the best dessert I have ever had along the SEC footprint. Dead serious. Go get it. If you go to Athens, last resort, you got to get there a little early. They don't do reservations and you don't really want to wait in line. And you got to make sure when you sit down, as soon as you get there, you say, can you set aside a piece of the white chocolate cheesecake? Because we got there at 5.30 on Saturday this year. They had opened at 5. I asked and she said, oh, we've got plenty. Let me just double check. Nope, they had six pieces left. Six. Six. And so she set it aside. I always have two awesome. desserts. So then I'd have to be like, well, now there's only four left. Two desserts? Really? Are you me? What's and going on? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but I'm about to go downstairs after we record this podcast and either make some cookies or make a milkshake. Wow. Are you going to invite me over or what? Are we are we cookieing and watching Auburn Ole Miss? <laughs> <laughs> we could. I don't know. I have no All plans. Right. After Athens, 
Oh, man. I'm going to do a, a, a food-heavy pick here. All right. Fayetteville. I know. See, I just – after driving to Kingdom Come to get to Fayetteville, I just I, – I won't go back. At, let me tell you, I agree. I drove there this year for softball. It is a – you know, if this were an HBO podcast, I would drop some vocab to describe the length of that drive. But here I will just say it is long. But we went there, and it is, I think, my favorite food city that we have visited for – um, for softball, I mean, well, we yeah, Herman's was the best meal. stop. Herman's was the best stop I've ever made on the SEC road show. Herman's we, uh, and Herman's in Fayetteville and Phil's in Baton Rouge. We ham and trees, grilled cheese in Fayetteville, incredible. They've got a breakfast coffee shop thing called uh, Doomsday's, I believe. That like, I mean, I was not super hungry, and then I ordered two orders of breakfast tacos because I just I couldn't stop. It was so good. Fayetteville. I know. Now I know. Fayetteville, not super awesome in terms of like doing stuff there. We didn't go out while we were there. We didn't, you know, we just kind of went to the park and we got food and went back to the hotel. But the food is really, really good in Fayetteville. So it, it is bumped up higher because of that. Not necessarily in my top two overall, but I just want to make sure it got a shout out because of the quality of food. And while I have a platform, thank you for giving me a microphone. William. Oof, oof. I, I did. I know this was your mistake. I wanted to shout this, out. One this more part restaurant. is not brought to you by WD marketing group. No, it's brought to you by our friends at good bull barbecue in college station. If you've listened to the out of the box podcast, you know that we have talked about good bull for years. I tweet about it pretty constantly. And I believe today was their final day. They are closing their doors in college station. And I just wanted to send a shout out to the owner, Roy May, a great guy who has welcomed Alabama people into his restaurant many times over the years. He let us record the podcast in his restaurant and then let us stay after closing to wrap up. I mean, just a great guy, great food. Um, they just want, you know, he was ready to move in another direction and knew it was time to say goodbye. But I just wanted to send a shout out to Good Bull Barbecue. Well, and, and college station awesome. is... College Station is, oh, first of all, moment of silence. The best potato salad <laughs> I've ever had in my life. The best potato salad I've ever had in my life. Well, the, the College Station is very near and dear to the Robertson family, as I know. It's true. So. It's true. It's my, uh, it's my secret double identity. People don't always know that I've got like pretty much half Aggie blood. But Amanda Scarborough, who pitched at Texas A&M and works at ESPN, we text sometimes on the side talking about A&M. And she always says, Gray, I love how much Aggie is in you. I'm like, now don't tell people. But yes. <laughs> it's our little secret. <laughs> All right. And just for the sake of not exposing people, we'll leave those bottom two off the list. But food-wise, Athens and Fayetteville, good to know. Thank yes. you. I mean, I guess if I had to name one bottom spot – let's just say that there's a, another school in the state of Alabama and you never stay in that city. Rather you stay at Lake Martin as it is nearby true. said school. That's true. Um, although they do have a mama Goldberg Tuscaloosa they do. yourself out there. Um, I don't know. I, you know, I've, this could be a hot take. I've actually never really had super fun in Oxford. Maybe it's just cause okay. I haven't, have like, you been for football though? Yeah, I went once. I went for Alabama Ole Miss. I thought the Grove was too packed. Were you like, working or were you? I was. Fishing? I was there as a fan. It was just too much. It was, it's overstimulating for sure. 
yes, it, you know, and it was just a lot. And we, we were trying to find the car after the game and we walked approximately six miles in a circle. It was, you know, it was just not my favorite experience. So Oxford yeah, that's currently that's a little low on the list. But I've not gone for softball, and typically that is when I see, you know, you know, kind of the real sides of these cities. I'll, I'll point this out too. It depends on what time of year you go, because it was a dust bowl when I went my sophomore year. Yeah, it was in September. I mean, road trips in October are the perfect time, and depending on where you go, you could go up, you know, to Tennessee even in September. It'd be pretty hot, but it'd probably be also a little bit cooler than it would be in Athens in September. And so, you know, weather season, time of kickoff also has a big influence. Just just a couple of important factors for our listeners to keep in mind. Of course, you know, I just, you know, I was young. I was a freshman then, last time I went to Oxford. And Back then I went day. for softball once, but I was staying at a friend's house kind of out of town, so we didn't really do much. Oh, that was the that was the 2016 Alabama Ole Miss game. That was fun. Yeah. I when so. Jonathan Allen had the um, yes strip fumble recovery. Yes. Gosh, I was a freshman. Yeah, we were down 24 to 3. And that was going to be three years in a row that Alabama was going to lose to Ole Miss. And then – they did what they couldn't do in 2015 and came back. I'll never forget. I have never seen a human being get hit harder than when Jalen Hurts got sacked and fumbled and Ole Miss returned it for a touchdown. Do you remember that? It oh was my so gosh. loud. And he I thought he died. I was really concerned. <laughs> I was – I was when I saw the football roll, I was like, oh, my gosh, that's his head. But no, it wasn't. <laughs> and then he got back up and, you know, led the comeback. And he was fine. But it, you just go back and think how good our defense was. I have a picture on my desktop right now of the starting lineup from the 2016 SEC championship game and all of those guys. Same thing with the 2017 offense, like NFL, 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 up and down. But Stupid hey, good. Yeah. Well, Gray, we're going to cut the recording here. I'm sure you and I will continue to talk for the next half hour. But thank you for joining the Alloway Podcast, giving your softball expertise – and college town expertise talking a little golf to like pretending like you pretending like I know what I'm saying I'm talking about golf <laughs> sorry I'm not going to point any fingers but I mean I didn't watch like very much at all so I was just following along with some I mean, of the story I, I fell asleep commentary. after the softball game and woke up and I was like oh this is good but if I can add one note if you're a listener and you're coming to Rhodes this weekend hydrate up it is going to be hot We've got afternoon games. We don't want anybody passing out in the stands because we need you ready, alert, and loud because Kentucky is not going to be rattled at all by the atmosphere they played there before. So we got to make it even better to try and rattle them. So, uh, yeah, you know, if you're coming, hydrate up maybe. I know I'm going to go get an IV before the game. I don't even know if that's supposed to help you, but I'm going to try and see if that does anything. You will go. I know you always go through at least three water bottles in our broadcast. That'll be about nine probably on Saturday. Oh, yeah. Three no, Friday. Is the first game Friday. Sorry. First game Friday. Second game Saturday, if necessary, Sunday. Yeah, there will, it will not be necessary. But what will be necessary will be lots of water. So if you're coming to Rhodes, drink up with water, get ready to go, be hydrated. It's going to be hot, but, you know, it's going to be worth it. It's going to be a fun weekend. Gray Robertson on the Galloway Podcast once again, one of the voices of Alabama softball, SEC Network Plus, CSPN guy. Gray, thank you so much for the time. Roll Tide. I always have time for you, Willie G. Thank you.